Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. In today's episode, we are continuing our discussion of Genesis 48. The topic is that of maturing faith, and we mentioned Philippians 1.6 in our previous episode, he who has begun a work in you will bring it, a good work in you will bring it to completion to the day of Jesus Christ. We are looking sort of at the idea, at least by way of application, of sanctification. And to do that for an illustrative standpoint or from an illustrative standpoint at this text, we're looking at a case study of Jacob. Has his faith matured? Has he learned his lessons? Can he learn from his past mistakes? And it turns out that he can, and he has. In verses 1 to 7, we saw that a mature faith develops confidence in the future from past blessings. Now, remember, the governing idea of this chapter is that we need to strive to develop a mature faith. What are those characteristics? Well, that's the first. A mature faith develops confidence in the future from past blessings. Now we're going to continue the discussion of the text. We're going to get into the blessing that Jacob bestows on Joseph's children, Manasseh and Ephraim, or as we saw that he renames them, and we're going to dig into that a little bit more, Ephraim and Manasseh. So what do we learn starting in verse 8 and carrying us down through the end of the chapter, verse 22, that uh, namely this, a mature faith knows that God's ways are not man's ways. Very important lesson for us as believers today. Not only should we have our vision of the future strengthened and our confidence strengthened because of what God has said in the past, but we know because of the things that we've seen and the things that are recorded for us in Scripture that God's ways are not man's ways. Now, we have that explicitly stated for us in places like Isaiah 55, verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Also think of 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, when the Lord was uh, picking his replacement, having Samuel go and find uh, his replacement for Saul. Remember, he ends up at the house of Jesse, and he is beginning to look at that, and he's comparing all of his sons to Saul, right? And he's using the physical appearance uh, that he sees there. And we read this in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature. This is regarding Saul, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Very, very important lesson for us. God's ways are not man's ways. God sees the heart of man. God knows everything, the beginning from the end. Part of his omniscience, part of his omnipresence is he's everywhere, in time, in space, everywhere. He's seen every place that we have ever set our foot. He knows every thought that we have had, past, present, and future. He knows what we're thinking right now. He knows the words that are in our mind and in our mouth before one of them has come to be. He knows what is going to come out of our mouth. Uh, He knows the things that we're going to hold back, but he knows everything. 
and he's there. And so he, he understands far more. And so when he, by his divine and providential decree, uh, decides that something is going to be a certain way, from our perspective, it just doesn't seem to fit. Okay, so mature faith knows that God's ways are not man's ways. How do we see that here in the text? Well, in verse 8 uh, and, and 9 and 10, let's take a look. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? Joseph said to his father, These are my sons whom God has given me here. And he said, Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them and embraced them. All right, let's stop right there. How uh, should we be looking at this, that a mature faith knows that God's ways are not man's ways? Well, one of the ways that we see this being fleshed out is this, that God can work and does work oftentimes in spite of or despite human frailty. From a human standpoint, Jacob is very frail, but God is going to make sure that his divine decrees and his will is executed in spite of human frailty. So God can work despite human frailty, verses 9 and 10. We see his vision almost completely gone, so much so that he has to ask. Maybe it's possible that he sees blurry visions, blurry shapes, and that's it. He cannot distinguish. It is kind of reminiscent. Uh, Jacob, no doubt, would maybe be thinking of this, that when he was a young child, his father, his father Isaac, had an issue with his eyesight as well, so that he was able to obtain not just the birthright, that was a deception uh, of Esau, but he was able to inherit the blessing, the blessing that belonged to the firstborn because of his father's old age and his dim eyesight. His ears said, hey, this is the voice of Jacob, but my, my nose tells me, according to what I can smell and my, my touch, that this are, this are his arms and this is the food that he has prepared for me. Uh, so I'm going to trust some of my other senses that ultimately we know led him astray. So we see the frailty of Jacob here in his old age that he has lost, he has lost most of his sight. But we also learn as we continue moving through the text, verse 11, that God blesses us beyond our expectations. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Beautiful commentary here uh, that is just a powerful reminder to us that God can bless us beyond our expectations. Doesn't mean he always will. He is under no obligation to do so, but as we think back on Jacob's life, remember he and eventually all uh, the brothers came around to believing their own lie, but from the get-go when, uh, when Joseph didn't return with them on that mission, and then they, they brought his tunic of many colors that was soaked in blood, they let him arrive at a faulty conclusion, and they were content to let him sit that way. I mean, he had accepted that his son had died and gone into a permanent state of mourning. Eventually, his brothers came around with that lie. And, you know, you go from that to re reuniting the family, 
uh, to having a time, you know, they're going to come out of the famine and they're going to have this time together. Uh, now that he's at his old age, they're well past the famine. We discussed that a little bit, uh, several years past. And so we see that God in the end, and uh, ends up blessing him beyond his expectations. Now, I, I just want to say again, that's not prescriptive that we cannot take this insert this into our prayers and say, God, because you did this to Jacob and Israel, uh, you need to do it to me. Now, God can, but the best thing that we can do is is follow principally what we read in Psalm 37, verse 4, which is delight ourselves in the Lord, and he will give us the desires of our heart. Make your desires God's desires. Love what God loves. Uh, do what God says to do. And, you know, then you can expect to be in the path of blessing. I'm not saying that it's guaranteed, but you can at least expect to be in the path of that. So God can work despite human frailty, verses 9 to 10. God blesses us beyond our expectations. Now he's here. He's like, I never expected to see you again. And wow, not only do I get to see you, but notice what he says. I get to see your offspring too. Can you imagine? I mean, he's already old. Uh, we made that comment as well when he appears before Pharaoh. Pharaoh notices how old he is, and so he's already been granted an extraordinarily long life, and not only does he get to see the son whom he thought he was dead, but God allows him to see his own offspring. What an incredible, incredible blessing that is. Now, there is a caveat. <laughs> the next verses, verses 12 to 14, and then again in 17 to 20, we're going to learn this, that God may bless us not according to our expectations. So on the one hand, he may bless us beyond our expectations, but sometimes we may receive a blessing that wasn't in accordance with our expectations. You know, it's it's almost like receiving a gift that you totally weren't expecting, and at first you're a little bit off-put by it, but it really ends up turning out to be quite a blessing. And that's really what we see here. Verse 12 Let's keep reading. Then Joseph removed them from his knees and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand. And he brought them near him. Okay, verse 14. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh crossing his hands for Manasseh was the firstborn. Ah, okay. Uh, let's, let's pick it up in verse 17 and see what happens. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. He took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn, put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day. Now, uh, God may bless us not according to our expectations. The interesting thing here is, uh, remember, we saw the switch. It was already somewhat foreshadowed earlier in the chapter. As we're introduced to Joseph's sons in verse 1, he has them listed according to their birth order, Manasseh and Ephraim. Then Jacob says Ephraim and Manasseh. He puts them on his knee to bless them. 
or you know, then now he's going to take them off, right? Uh, Joseph took them both, uh, excuse me, removed them from his knee, verse 12, and bowed himself to the face of the earth. Joseph took them both and made sure to line them up so that his right hand would be in a place to reach out and bless Manasseh, the firstborn. And instead, what we discover is him crossing his arms and putting the, the hand of blessing, which is his right hand, on the younger. And, and we see that. And of course, that, that's going to bother Joseph. And he said, hey, this isn't the way that it's supposed to be. But one of the things that we learn from this is that this is very intentional. This has nothing to do with, uh, with dementia or Alzheimer's or anything like this. Even though he's very old and weak and probably about to go the way of all the earth, uh, joining his forefathers in death, uh, he is very much aware of what he is doing. It becomes obviously clear as well as we worked through that, that Joseph wanted it a different way, as that's the 17 through the first part of verse 20, and specifically when he says in verse 18, not this way. Uh, so we see that this is going against his desires here, but we have to also recognize that God is very much a part of this, is he not? Uh, of course he is. So this is all under the divine providence and the sovereignty of God. It's subsumed under that, and we have to recognize that uh, for what it is. Now, that just leaves us with one thing left to discuss, and that is the blessing itself, the blessing itself. And of course, this is articulated for us in verses 15 and 16, and then in 20 through the end of the chapter. Uh, and this is interesting because we actually see this blessing uh, accounted or recounted for us as part of the hall of faith, which is Hebrews chapter 11. So in Hebrews 11, verse 21, we read this, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. Wow. So it gets its own verse there in Hebrews eleven twenty one that uh, that what he's doing here is by faith, which means he is directed by the Lord uh, in God's providential way that often is not revealed until later in history, but he is recounted uh, there in the Hall of Faith for this very action, which is pretty incredible. So in verse 15, we see this, and he blessed Joseph and said... This is the blessing that goes to his son, but it's going to go down to his grandchildren uh, as well. The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. And in them, let my name be carried on and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So we have this summary statement here uh, that is recounting now the generational blessings. This is the covenant being renewed with each subsequent generation, where God appears to his grandfather at first, Abraham, and gives him the promise, go into the land that I will show you, and I will bless him that blesses you, curse him that curses you, and in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, and I will make your offspring as the sand of the earth. Remember all of that. 
So then he reiterates that through the son of promise, doesn't go to Ishmael, but it goes to Isaac. Isaac is Jacob's father. He reiterates the same blessing through Isaac. Now I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac. Then comes along Jacob. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's going to pass on this blessing. And instead of this going to Joseph, it's going to his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. All right. And it's an interesting testimony where we have a lot of silence throughout his life and we don't have a lot of evidence of active growing faith. And yet he can look back on his life and and make this statement uh, that not only his father and his grandfather walked before the Lord, that's the first part of it, but he says that God has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. Now he looks back on the summation of his life and says that God has been the one who has led him. This is a maturing faith to look back and say, okay, I see the the providential hand of God in my life. Um, I, very, very quickly, I you know went through some incredibly tough times in my teen years where my family just basically kind of broke apart and it was very, very difficult. And I have been asked at times and I have reflected at times on whether or not I would go back and change any of that. And it's really hard to say because... I can look back with confidence and say that those, that extreme trial that took place in my life at that time where I ended up being a, a ward of the state uh, and was you know without a family then for a couple of years <laughs> uh, you know and God brought other people in but you know my my biological family that that all just was it was a mess you know would I go back and could I go back and take it all back well I don't know I mean I don't want to go through that pain but the Lord used all of that to bring me to saving faith, to open my eyes to the gospel, uh, to save me. It was incredible. So there's so much there and it made me who I am today. And part of that. So I can look back on that and say, God shepherded me through that, even in those circumstances. And there are even more, I could, I could give a lot and it keeps happening. So as he looks back, he, he definitely has some maturity here. Uh, God has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. And then he desires to see that blessing that he's intending to give to all of his sons. He he wants to make sure that it doesn't just go to Joseph, but that it's even more of an honor that Joseph would have his first two sons carry that blessing and that his sons will grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So far, so good, right? except that we have this little interruption here because Joseph says, hey, this shouldn't be. I want you to bless my my oldest one as the firstborn. And he says, no, 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 I know what I'm doing. I know, I know, right? Verse 19, he shall also become a people. Manasseh, yeah, that's fine, but Ephraim's gonna be uh, better. He's gonna become this multitude of nations. Let's go on then in verse 20 and see the rest of the blessing. By you, Israel, if, will pronounce blessings saying, God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you rather than to your brothers, one mountain slope that I took from the hand of the Amorites with my sword and with my bow. This last part here is pretty interesting because it shows us that the outcast of the family, Joseph, partakes in the blessing. Uh, He is not ruled out from this, even though the direct blessing of the children goes to his children. 
uh, he gets to partake in the blessing and even the land promise. Uh, and this last part where Jacob is speaking to him in verse 21, God will be with you and will bring you again into the land of your fathers. So you get to go there uh, and you get to be buried there. And what's interesting, he does get special treatment as a reward for all that he had suffered for those 20 years uh, in preparation to be an instrument of salvation for his family. And what is that special treatment? He gets a special plot of land. That's verse 22. Okay. And, And that's what he says. I have given to you rather than to your brothers one mountain slope that I took from the hand of the Amorites with my sword and with my bow. We can read about that in Joshua 24, 32. As for the son or the bones of Joseph, excuse me, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the piece of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. It became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. There it is. And one more time in verse 5 of John chapter 4. That's right, all the way in the New Testament. John 4, verse 5. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. So the scriptures come in full circle, and we realize that even the outcast of the family, Joseph, gets to partake in the blessing. The blessing of God is truly incredible and sometimes unexpected. Well, that's where we will end our discussion today. We will pick it up in Genesis chapter 49 in our next episode. This has been another podcast of Expositional Excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net. Thank you.